Yes, people, it is time for today's chin check where we look back at the crazy events of this weekend. You know what I mean? We had two K Warriors and an NFA just to get things cracking. So, uh, you know, that wasn't it. But this tune check is a two-parter, people. So let's start things up. Let's ease you in to this martial arts extravaganza. Okay, so the weekend's fights got going. It's a big weekend. All started with Cage Warriors 131 with Bat Bat Matt Bonner against Dajit Melon in the main event with Bonner defending his middleweight belt. So the main card is five fights and people. It really got going with um the first fight on the main card, it was a bantamweight clash between Liam Gittens and Kingsley Crawford. And this fight, yo, this was a crazy fight. Gittens came out on fire, came out on fire and was landing some good shots. He just stayed in Crawford's face. Now... There was a couple of times when you thought, oh, did, like he did, it did look like he hurt Crawford for a, a moment in that first round. But, you know, Crawford, very savvy, able to survive. And then the second round onwards, Crawford just took over. Crawford took over. He was countering really well, you know, put Gittens down. In the second round, had him on wobbly legs with a nice shot in the third. And just to seal it, he landed a very nice um, sweet takedown in the third as well. You know, yeah, because, I mean, you were looking at the third round. And although Crawford, it seemed, you could say Crawford was winning, right? Because he was slipping shots and he's countering. But Gittens was throwing more. He just wasn't landing those shots. And we've seen judges make some awful decisions. But I feel when Crawford landed that takedown, yeah, yeah you, you couldn't have fucked that one up. And luckily they didn't. Kingsley Crawford got the win. And it was a real good fight to um, start everything off, right? So then we had a welterweight clash. We had Oban Elliott against Madars Fleming Fleminaz and um Elliot, you know, highly touted coming into the fight. And uh yeah, he he was you know coming out hot, man. He was putting it on Madars for um the start of the round, you know, landing some good shots. But yeah, it, 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 you you saw Madars start to get into the fight um, probably halfway through that first round, right? Now, they both, like, it was a weird one because it seemed that the um, 
You know what I mean? The canvas was a little slippery. So there was a couple of times you wondered if either fighter had got tagged. But I, I feel it was more of a case of the canvas being slippery. Luckily, it wasn't as slippery as that crazy... I think it was 2019 when, man, it was just seemed waterlogged and both fighters were just slipping everywhere and they had to cancel the fight. Nothing like that, luckily. But, yeah, Madaz, he, he seemed to start imposing his will and Elliot just seemed to get tired. He got tired and Madaz was able to take him down. You know, Elliot got up, but Madaz took him down again. Um, in the second round, you know, Madaz continued that. And then he just started to um, ground and pound. Not hard shots, but he just kept busy. Kept busy and Elliot just didn't seem to know what to do. And in the end, the referee called the fight. Just, yeah, again, not because they were crazy hard shots, but Elliot just wasn't doing anything, right? And, and so, yeah, you had to call it. Had to call it. Um, so then we had the uh, first of our two middleweight fights on the main card. Right, we had Justin Moore making his Cage Warriors debut against Christian Leroy Duncan. And, uh, yeah, this was a... Actually, no, I have jumped a fight. <laughs> I have jumped a fight. No, um, the first of our middleweight fights was Will Curry against uh, Nicola Zal. Zatev, right? And this was a crazy fight, right? Zatev, he took center, coming out, right? Curry's throwing a lot of kicks. None were really landing. And Zatev is able to get a huge takedown. Big, picked him up, slammed him down. But straight away, Curry's being active off the back. And he, he throws one leg up. He throws one leg over the, you know what I mean, the shoulders. Right? Which you kind of think, right? You would know what that could be leading to. You know what I mean? It, there's only a few things that that could be leading to. But Zatez does nothing, literally nothing, and uh, and he has one of Curry's legs trapped, but yeah, doesn't really think, and Curry is extricating that leg, gets it out, which as soon as the leg comes out, you think that Hez would like move back, sit up, something, nada, <laughs> nada, right, and allowed Curry to throw on a triangle, which you were just like, what? It was a slow triangle. It's a slow triangle. Zatez should have been able to defend this shit. Didn't defend it. Curry slapped that triangle. Like, Curry, can't fool Curry. Curry did everything. He, he was just in a weird position at the start, got himself out, Got a triangle, you know what I mean? 
So he had the triangle, and then he starts to just come with those elbows to the top of the head. And yeah, Zatez has to tap. It was quick, it was weird, you know, <laughs> but a good win for Curry, you know. So we then go to our co-main event, which was the Justin Moore, Christian Leroy Duncan middleweight clash. There you go, people. And, um, yeah, whoo, you know, this one, like, Moore had the most experience here, but yeah, Duncan, Duncan looked good, man, Duncan, especially for someone with four pro fights, you know what I mean, yeah, it was just a crazy situation, you know what I mean, Um, but yeah, more, like it's a little tentative at the start, more came at him real fast, and Duncan caught more with a jump knee. And the crazy thing is, more just went stiff, went stiff, hit the canvas, but boom, just like that, he's up. He's like hit, it's like a trampoline, and he's up hunting for a takedown. And you're like, yo, mad props to more because it looked like it could be over, like it wasn't a clean knee. Like um Mazadel and uh asking, but it, it landed, people. It landed, you know what I mean? And so yeah, we, we see Duncan, you know, be able to um, you know, what I mean, get out of the situation. He's thrown some good shots, but he, he did try and go to the well a few times with that jump knee. Wasn't able to land it again. And doing that, he allowed more to clinch up with him. Allowed more to clinch up with him. But he eventually got into space, landed some good shots, got his own takedown. Own takedown. Um, and he he got on the back of more. Well, he was in mount. And um, yeah, more. He gave up his back. And Duncan took it. He didn't really have the hooks in, but he got underneath that chin and just applied that squeeze. Applied that squeeze, and yeah, Moore could do nothing but tap. Whew! Very good win for Christian Leroy Duncan, people. Oh, oh yeah, but only problem is. Yeah, I mean, it, it's putting him up it up there with real high-level competition, which, yo, you know, he's clearly got the talent, but so young in the game. Yeah, you know I mean, he's now five and zero, but yo, yeah, no, no playing around now. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's gonna be swimming with the sharks, baby, and that takes us to the main event: Matthew Bonner defending his middleweight title against Dajit Melan. Now, the crazy thing about this fight was some of the comments Bonner had made leading in, saying he wasn't, didn't feel as motivated as he did when he was chasing the belt, which does seem a little crazy, 
because this is your first defense. First defense against an undefeated fighter. You know what I mean? So you would think that would be something. You would be up on that. You'd be like, yo, I want to defend this belt. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, so that was a little concerning. And yeah, I, I feel his lack of motivation kind of showed because Mellon took him down with ease, took him down with ease and just dominated the first round. Dominated the second, did the same in the second. And I gotta say, right, I feel you could have given those first two rounds 10A. Because remember, it's not anymore on like the amount of damage. You know what I mean? Having to basically stop a fire. No, it's, I think it's like significant control, right? And Melon had all the control. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Now, in the third round, right, Bonner was able to get back up a couple of times, but Mellon just took him back down. Took him back down, right? In the fourth round, you could see Mellon was tired, but again, still, boom, took Bonner down, repeat, and every time Bonner got up, he just took him back down with ease. And all the time, Mellon is riding Bonner extremely well, right, going from mount to back, side control, you know, just not giving Bonner any space, but Bonner wasn't really doing anything crazy to get up, you know, but mad props to Mellon, because those takedowns, the way he changed levels, it was it was mad impressive. It really was. Now, in the last round, right? So you're looking at it, and the only way Bonner can defend that belt is a stoppage. Melan is mad tired. So Bonner's coming at him. He's swinging. You know, but Melan, he, he's still able to get some takedowns. Still able to get some takedowns. And, yeah, Bonner was throwing some big shots and everything like that. But, yeah, Mellon survives and walks away with the win. Now, the, the commentary team, I, man, I, I know it was Dan Hardy and Bran Walton, and I cannot remember the last dude. But, yeah, you know, they were saying that, oh, if Bonner had done that earlier, maybe he could have, you know, kept his belt. But I would say the reason that Mellon was tired was probably because all the takedowns. And this was the first time in the championship rounds. You know, so I would wonder if Bonner had been able to get up, say, in the first round, we may have seen more stand up from Mellon. And, you know, it would have been a point where he's not tired. So I don't know if anything would have changed, but yo, what we did see, Mellon, mad impressive, mad impressive. You know what I mean? And I'm sure because now he's done the five rounds, right? He knows what that's like. So he knows 
the extra cardio work that he would have to do, the extra stuff he will have to do in training. And we've seen it so many times. As soon as someone wins the title, they level up. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, going to be interesting. Going to be interesting to see what happens with him. But that's it. That's the first of our Cage Warrior uh, double headers. And, um, yeah, the the opening of the weekend. So it's LFA next. And then we're over Saturday with UFC and another Cage Warriors. So, um, yeah, fun times, people. Fun times. Okay, people. So Friday night continued. Well, it's the the wee hours of <laughs> a Saturday morning. But it continued with the last LFA event of the year, LFA 120, which was headlined with a ladies flyweight championship. So we had Myra Cantaria against Jamie Ling Hoif going for the vacant flyweight belt. So there was... Seven? Yeah, seven fights on the main card. Right? And, um, no, actually, I think there were six fights. <laughs> yeah, I can't count. There were six fights on the main card, people. Um, I thought it really got going, though, with the uh, featured bout, right? Which was a flyweight. Another flyweight one, but this time the men were doing their thing. But uh, no, it all got underway though with a uh, middleweight clash. Now, calling the shots was a Ron Cronk and a Michael Chiesa. Um, oh, Chiesa was wearing a dreadful Christmas jumper. <laughs> it's a dreadful crap. I mean, I hate Christmas jumpers, but boy. And Kronk had a Christmas suit on, which, jeez, woo, you would have to pay me a lot of scratch to don any of those two outfits. <laughs> but yeah, no, it got underway with a middleweight clash. We had Jeff Nilsson against Billy Esk. Uh, Eklund, Ikana, Ikana, I think, Ikana. Um, now, Nielsen came out, oh, uh, you know, trying to get inside, but Elkin, he just had that reach. He had a reach and um, he had a good game plan. He was able to keep Nelson at bay and, you know, really just dominate the fight, though Nelson, you know, he kept going, and he had a better third round, but yeah, it was just that reach of um, Elkana, and the discipline, the discipline to be able to put things together in a certain way, right, to keep to the game plan, that's what got Elkin the win here, and Nelson, ah, not the debut that he was looking for, but, you know, I respect the fact that he, he didn't give up. He clearly didn't get... And he did land some nice shots. But, yeah, just it's a struggle for him to get inside. 
So from there, we dropped down to the featherweight division and we had Henry Huff against Philippe Martinez. Um, so with this one, Huff came out. Oh, he came out very kick heavy. You know, landed some very nice kicks to the legs, to the midsection. Then um, Martinez started to um, add some calf kicks to the game. And I just think it was Martinez's speed here that really just gave him the edge. He just, he was just quicker to everything and just allowed him to pretty much just control the fight and walk away with a decision victory. So from there, we had the, the debuts, right, of Royce White and Dequan Buckley. This was a heavyweight clash. It, it may have been better for this fight to start things off, right? Now, I get why they put it there, because, you know, Royce White, there's supposedly a lot of talk about him, you know, NBA player transitioning across to uh, mixed martial arts. And, I, you know, what I, mean? I think what we saw... He does have the technique. Definitely has the technique, right? He, he threw up some very nice kicks. You know, he had a nice jab. The issue, though, was it's taking a lot of photos, right? It seemed he'd throw something and then admire it a little bit too much. And the jabs he was throwing and just the kicks he was throwing, they were nice. But there wasn't a conviction behind them, right? And the problem with that is Buckley, I think they said Buckley at his heaviest was 340, which is just um, 340 pounds, man. That, that's, that's how he turned up for his first day of MMA training. But he, he's definitely lost a lot of weight. Still, huge, uh, and just considerably bigger than white, right, and so without throwing out a jab with conviction, Buckley just came in, he just, you know, not really a lot of finesse, it was like Ungano against Rosenstruck, right, just bum-rushed, and he, he, he utilized that to get in close and take White down. Now, in the first round, we saw White get up just really well. He, he showed that he's been working on the takedown defense and he's able to get up. But, yeah, he, he just put himself in too many positions where he was taken down, right? There was a few occasions good few occasions, really, where he looked like he got Buckley in a tie plum, but didn't throw any knees. No knees. And it's just like someone as big as Buckley, you think, attack that body, wear him out, take away his gas tank. You know what I mean? But, yeah, White didn't do that. So, um, you know, he, he was taken down good few times in the first two rounds. Now, he got up, but that's still takedowns. 
that's still a scoring opportunity from Buckley, who though didn't really do much with those takedowns until the third round. Because in the third round, he took Buckley, he took, he took White down, but it was away from the fence. And there he was able to pretty much control him. And you think, yeah, which was the case, that was enough to win the fight. And it was, people. It was. So, you know, I, I think what we saw from White was that he does have the skills. We just need to see more volume from him. You know what I mean? We just need to see more volume and for him to throw with more intention, right? Doesn't mean that every shot needs to be a haymaker or anything like that, but just a stiffer jab. Because when he did throw, it, yeah, it looked like, you know, it was stinging Buckley, but he just didn't throw with that same conviction very often, really, in the fight, you know? So, um, yeah, a decent win for Dequan Buckley there. So we then, as I said, look, our featured fight was Tyus White against Tony Lamy. Um, younger brother of TJ Lamy, who's in the UFC. And, uh, yeah, this was a flyweight clash. And, yo, I, I think the thing that you saw was just the speed. And this was the thing. The first three fights had been kind of slow, right? Slow, a little tentative in places. This fight, yo, they just came at it. There is no holding back, man. Both came. But yeah, Lamy, he just had the speed. Oh, and the speed. Whew, power too behind those shots. And he was putting it on White. White just wasn't able to land much at all in the fight. Wasn't able to land. Lamy was mixing it up, going to the body, you know, going to the head. You know, and there was times you thought, oh, White could catch him with a knee, but Lamy was just way too fast, way too fast, and just able to avoid White's attacks. <coughs> um, you know, White tried a few takedowns, Lamy stuffed them, but White, you know, stuffed a few of Lamy's as well, you know. So, although White, yeah, he, he just was a step behind all fights. He he was trying to the end, and he had definitely had a better third round. Was landing more, and it looked like he might have hurt um, one of his kicks. May have hurt Lamy's leg, but White had a better third round. But Lamy, he's a problem, people. He was a dynamo up in there. It was um, extremely impressive. So, yeah, definitely looking forward to see what these dudes, both of them do in their next fight, you know. So, in the co-main event, it was another middleweight clash. This time, we had Jalen Fuller against, what, the unbeaten Jalen Fuller against Bruno Assis. Um, now, I think Assis had taken this fight on short notice. And um, straight away, you could see, oh, Fuller had some nice hands, had some nice hands, but Assis, 
Well, you know, he did the thing that you'd think, right? Take a fight on short notice. You're either trying to get that knockout or you're trying to take someone down. And this has got the early takedown. But Fuller got up, got up real well, real quick, you know. And he heard a cease with a big right hand, heard him, and landed a few other stiff shots. He didn't rush anything. But he did then allow assist to get a hold of him, get inside and take him down. You know, so, um, yeah, he got up, but then assist took him down again. And I think he got another takedown in that first round, which you could see had really tired out Fuller. And which was a little surprising because, you know, it's a sister took the fight on short notice, but Fuller was the one who was most gassed, which did, you know, the, 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 the get-ups, he was able to get up. But you do wonder how much of that he trained because, yeah, it was crazy how gassed he was coming into the second. Although, although, didn't give up, didn't get, yeah, he was still, you know I mean, he, hands on the hips a lot, breathing, there's a mouth breathing, you know, which meant he lost that mouth guard a few times, right, but still hit some real stinging shots, and a stung Aziz at one point in the second, but Aziz able to get him down again, get him down again, the crazy thing was, Fuller, you know, did a nice sweep, but then from the bottom, Aziz started to just throw up hammer fists, kind of got Fuller's call in, um, it wasn't a fully put on triangle, but he had him kind of locked up and just hit so many hammer, just cut him open, just cut him open and was attacking, 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 you know, uh, went for an armbar, right, he, he, I think he attacked with an armbar at the end of the first round as well, right, did the same at the end of the second round, both, both times, with like just under 10 seconds left, which was the saviour for Fuller, because you think any longer he's tapping, and in the third, his arm is mad low, so you're thinking, oh, it, you know, it didn't break it, but might have tweaked some ligaments, or it's just, you know what I mean, it's just been stretched a lot, you know what I mean, um, which allowed his sister to land a nice head kick, didn't seem too um, stun Fuller though, but yeah, Fuller just tired, still trying to throw out some shots, but Aziz just kept on him took him down again and again and was just yeah landing really nice ground and pound and so yeah sis very good victory for some you know taking a fight on short notice you know what i mean and the main event right for the vacant flyweight belt myra cantoria against jamie lynn hoif um who's already a flyweight champion in Canada, you know, coming first fight in America, and from the giddy-up, you could see that Hoif 
had the power. She had the power, but she decided to pressure Cantoria up against the fence, right? Put up against, she was landing some very nice short elbows inside, right? But, and she was looking for the takedown, which you're thinking, hmm, that's an interesting, because Cantoria, black belt, right? Black belt in jiu-jitsu and judo, I believe. But Hoff was looking for the takedown. Now, Cantoria, though, she dropped down, did a little roll, grabbed the leg, and you know had a deep, deep leg lock. But she was very indecisive with what sort of leg lock she was going to go for. Right? Which, in that moment, it gave Hoff the opportunity to defend and extricate her leg. And once she did, whew, she rained down some ground and pound, right? So uh, we got out the first round. Then in the second round, Hoff again. Man, it's just that pressure and the power that was the difference here. And she's putting it on Cantoria. Cantoria didn't seem to, you know, she was very dejected going back to the store in the first. And then in the second round, man, she just ate shots, not really able to get a game going. And Hoff, you know, another takedown, some serious grounder pound. And you're thinking, oh, may end the fight, but Cantor is able to survive. And we go into the third round. Hoff continues to bring that pressure. And it's like, yeah, she's just... I think she, she realized that she's stronger on the ground as well. And so she was, you know, just going for that takedown. She took the back. And, uh, you know, Cantoria, at first she was defending. She, you know, she turned away. She's going to get up and gave Hoff the back again. And this time, Hoff, and she just locked it up. Locked it up, got that arm underneath the chin, and people, that was all it wrote, right? That was all she wrote. Jamie Lynn Hoff just added some more silverware to that cabinet with a just really, really impressive win. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, that ends a, a great year for LFA. Man, so many great events. So many. They put on more events than Bellator, right? Which, and PFL, which does. And when you watch these cards and the quality of it, it does make me think. When you look at this, like, LFA seems to be the one just behind the UFC. In the, like, the quality of production, the matchmaking, you know, their schedule, they've been killing it this year. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to see what happens next year. And I believe they open, I think it's the 15th. I think it's Friday is the 15th of uh, January. And they're going to Dallas. So, few ways. This is the, man, with so many events, you just get used to, 
Fury watching MMA all the time. So it's just like, God damn it, gonna have to wait a few weeks. But looking forward to what LFA do in 2022, people. And a good way to end Friday and lead us into the fun that Saturday has in store. Okay, people, so... Hey, we return to the York Hall for the second part of Cage Warriors Double Trouble Night of Events. And um, what a frigging crazy one. So this card, you know what I mean? We just have four fights on the main card. I think they had a couple of fights drop out, but it was still fine because we had great fights. Oh, and, um, yeah, it's Daniel Strauss. Daniel Strauss is the other cat who is commentating with Rob Wharton and Dan Hardy. So, um, yeah, it all got underway with a welterweight clash between Leonardo Damari and Jamie Richardson. So, man, this is a crazy one, right? So, both were, um, you know, started a little tentative, you know, they were looking for their openings, Damari, he's coming full, he was really pushing it, coming forward, landed some shots, goes for a takedown, gets a takedown, but Richardson's able to reverse, able to reverse it, and then, it, Although coming into the fight, you thought Damari might have the um, advantage on the ground. Richardson is the one who's controlling the ground game. Now, I do think because he got his first submission in his last fight, he he went for he, he went for some stuff rather than going for the ground and pound. I I, I think he you know what I mean. He was like, oh, ah, let me get a second submission, which you can't blame him for. But there was probably times when he, he just probably would have be, been better sitting up and ground and pounding. But, yeah, he got off some, well, he did get off some good shots in the first. Cut Damari. So Damari comes out mad quick in the second. But again, Richardson takes him down. And that's how the fight kind of went from there. Richardson's able to take the fight down and um, get the better of Damari. And then when it's on the feet, Damari's now, he's slowed down a lot. And Richardson, who looked fine, didn't gas out at all, is able just to pick him apart. You know, so good win for um, Jamie Richardson's return to the welterweight division. So, next up, another welterweight clash, and we had Kent um, Kupian, I feel that's how you say it, against Mateus Figlak, one of, you know, the other half of the Figlak brothers, his brother Mike, I believe, fought on the undercard in the prelims, and, um, <laughs> oh my god, this fight was crazy, it was Crazy, and the thing is, Figlak looked the sharper of the two. Doug Capian was definitely no slouch in there, but Figlak, he is—he had the speed. 
it was his jab was working. You know what I mean? He's firing out those kicks. Very good movement. Great head movement. Oh, man, the, the way he ducked under a lot of those shots. You know what I mean? Took the back, just stuff like that. He, he oh, man, it looked like he was going to grab a rear naked choke in the first. But Kupian was able to survive. Uh, coming forth, you know, from that, Figlak, yeah, he, he was able to pretty much control the fight. Though Kupian, uh, he was eating those legs. He was eating those legs for a good ch- Like, you just saw the welts on um, Figlak's yeah, ankle, thigh, and the midsection with the body kicks. Oh, my gosh, it was crazy. And the insane thing is, at the beginning of the fight, for the first two rounds, it did look like they were affecting Figlak. He changed, he would change stance. Now he still kept him coming forward and doing his thing, but he changed stances a lot. Come the third round, he did it. Yo, he just battled through that shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? He didn't change stances, he just came forward. And um, yeah, it was doing very well. Uh, at the very end of the round, Copian was able to get a takedown and he got off some ground and pound, got some big shots, but it wasn't enough to, you know, stop the fight or just really do anything because it was in the like last 10 seconds and Figlak had just, he had looked very impressive. And most of the time on the ground, he got top position and he was controlling it. You know, he, he transitions to side mount to mount. Like, man, he was looking really good. He was really looking good. And he lost it in the third. I believe it's because he went for an arm bar. And he was just a little bit too high on the back. And he slipped off. But Figlak looks like a friggin' problem, people. He really does. And Ken Capian, he looked really good as well. You know what I mean? So, hey, I'm just looking forward to seeing both of these dudes fight next, you know? So the co-main event. So it's a crazy one, right? Because Sam Creasy was meant to be defending his flyweight belt against Luke Shanks, but Shanks missed weight. So this went from a five-round fight to a three-round non-title fight, which is always a bit weird, right? Um, And this one, this was a crazy, it did not go, (laughs) it didn't go the distance, people. It's like, just starting the fight, right? Shanks was looking for that pitch. He was loading up. But Creasy, he was, you know, moving around well, right? Moving around well, avoiding the shots. But Creasy, he's 33, right? He, he He's 33, and he's had a lot of fights. Had a lot of fights, especially when you counter in... You know, the um, the amateur fights, right? So there's a lot of wear and tear, you know, especially when you think about it. He, he made his debut 
Well, he made his debut in 2014. You know, so that's seven years ago, right? That's his pro debut, but he, he, he first amateur fight was in 2009. You know what I mean? So that's a long time in the game. And yeah, I, I, I think the big thing is you're, you're moving around. If your style, your style is being evasive, moving around as you get older, you're going to slow. You know what I mean? You're going to slow. And Shanks is uh, 26. You know what I mean? So he's definitely got the age advantage here. But Creasy put Shanks down with about a minute and a half left. <coughs> oh, my gosh. Excuse me, people. Um, Creasy put Shanks down with a nice right. But the issue was Creasy is now really looking to put it on Shanks. But his hands are down, you know, that's his style. His hands are, he's got no guard up. And so as they were exiting an exchange, Shanks landed a, a hook that just rocked Creasy. And instead of going for a takedown, instead of just getting on his bike, he kind of just tried to engage. And he got hurt again and again and again until Shanks hit him, put him down, and then luckily the ref jumped in. And you're just like, damn. You know what I mean? It was crazy because with Creasy putting Shanks down and then Shanks hurting Creasy, that was all within like 30 seconds. It was insane. It was insane. But that's... I mean, that's the thing about FMA, right? That's what makes the fight so interesting. Nothing is a given. Nothing is a given, people. Which, uh, yeah, it, it, it was insane. So the next fight will probably be another rematch. You know what I mean? This time for the belt, if Shanks makes weight. But... Do you get a rematch if you missed weight the first? You know what I mean? That's the thing. It's a crazy situation, you know? Uh, but that takes us to the main event, right? Dom Dominic, the Black Panther, Wooden putting his bantamweight belt on the line against Carlos Abrea. Little heated at the weigh-ins. Little heated at the weigh-ins, you know what I mean? And, yeah, Abrea came out, came out, oh, man, both very fast. Abrea whipped in a couple of quick leg kicks. But, you know, after that, Woodings, he, he's now blocking the leg kicks, blocking the leg kicks. And Abrea, he's not really focusing. You know what I mean? He's just super... It's just like, ah, I need to strike, I need to strike, right? So he's rushing, he's rushing everything, and he misses on a, a few leg kicks, misses on some shots. Woodings counters, right? 
they're moving around. Woodings catches him as a brayer. He's a brayer. As I said, look, he, he's going right super fast, off balancing himself. So he throws a shot. Woodings avoids. Abrea, he's off balance. Wooding just cracks him side of the head. And Abrea is rocked. Abrea is rocked. He stumbles against the fence. And then, just like that, Wooding's jump knee, pow, just catches him clean. And Abrea is sparks. He is out. Cold boy. I mean, if Dominic Woodings wanted to really put out a calling card for, um, you know, I me mean, the UFC, well, that was it. And then when he got the mic afterwards, yo, so he's saying UFC London, he's ready. And with a performance like that, you know, to win the title, Woodings looked great. So with this performance too, boy, I would not be surprised if he doesn't get a call up. Now, even if he doesn't get a, you know, just a call out with a, enough, you know, with a, a mad advance for a training camp and all of that. If someone drops off the card, right, I wouldn't be surprised if Wooding doesn't get that call. So, um, you know, he kept busy because this was a late fight, kept busy, got he was ready for the fight. So, hey, I guarantee that Woodens is going to be in that gym ready for whatever time, you know what I mean? If it's a last minute call, he's ready. But yeah, I, I feel Woodens may well next be in the UFC. But yo, that was a lot of fun. And the perfect lead in to um, our big UFC event of the weekend, people. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yeah, UFC is 269. Whew! Looking forward to that, people. Looking forward to that and that, yeah. So that's the end of Cage Warriors for 2021. And they'll be back, I think it's March 2022. But, yeah, looking forward so how about that, right? Free offense. And, um, you know, the hardware was moving, right? So um, Melan becomes the new, the new middleweight cage warriors champion. We then have, um, you know, Horus. Right, she's the new lightweight NFA women's champ, and Dominic Woody. What a sensational win for him to retain that strap! Right, um, yeah, the bantamweight champ in Cage Warriors. And will he get his wish? Will he get a slot at UFC London? Well, if the UFC can come to London, and even if not, is he gonna get that call up? Longer talking points, but it's still not done. 
people. Hey, make sure you jump over to part two of this recap of the weekend event. Because we still have got the UFC and submission on the ground to talk about people. So, hey, I will see you there. All right.